Why is it that with sparkling water, I'm always playing guessing games with what flavor I'm drinking? Is it citrus? Is it aluminum can flavored? Mm, not sure. Sparkling ice, though, they really mean flavor. Like in-your-face flavor. Orange mango, black raspberry. Don't even get me started on the strawberry lemonade. Kiwi Strawberry slid right into my taste buds DMs last night and let them know who's boss. No subtleties there and no sugar either. But it does have vitamins and antioxidants. Find sparkling ice at a major grocery store or club retailer near you. Sparkling ice. Anything but subtle. Hey, welcome to this week's Baldhead Bible Podcast, and I'd just like to encourage you, if you enjoy this podcast, to please consider supporting us. Go to our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash baldheadbible, and there you'll see different levels that you can support us at. It isn't much. I'm not trying to get rich off of this or anything like that, but you can support us for the mighty amount of $1 a month. $1 a month, which comes to $12 a year. And what do you get for that? Well, you get access to the Baldhead Bible Podcast after show, Waxing the Dome. It's a 10-minute show where I'll be talking about various things, and I'll probably be, number one, talking about extra content that I wasn't able to get at about the character for this week, and I'll throw in some things that I just ran out of time to talk about and wasn't able to fit in the show, or or number two, I'll be interviewing some really cool people, some theological friends I have or pastoral friends I have who can give us some insight on the book or the character we're going through that week. Or finally, I'll just interview some really cool people that are just fun to meet. Or maybe I'll just chat about stuff. But it's just for supporters of the podcast. It's going to be a 10-minute show. Our premiere episode is free. So check it out, Baldhead Bible Podcast after show waxing the dome but starting this week it's only going to be accessible to our supporters so for a dollar a month you get access to this 10 minute after show podcast which will be a lot of fun but if you want to go higher you can support us for three dollars a month and there you get the after show waxing the dome as well as a sticker We've created some Bald Head Bible merch, if you'd like to look at it that way, and I will mail you a sticker if you join for $3 per month. And our highest level is $5 a month, and there you get the Bald Head Bible podcast after show waxing the dome. Plus, secondly, you get a sticker. Plus, thirdly, you get the ability to download a PDF, and it'll be a series of questions that you can use to think through the story in the podcast. You could use these questions as a way to have devotions with your family or use it with your Bible study group. And I'll try to throw in, if I can, a little crossword puzzle that maybe your kid and you can fill in as you listen to the podcast. So... You get that if you join at $5 per month. So think about supporting the podcast. You can support us, again, easily for $1 a month. It's called the Buzz Cut. Or you can join us at $3 a month, which is called Shaved. You're getting closer to the bald goodness. And then the highest level, $5 a month. And that's called True Baldy. 
You have reached true bald head Bible perfection. So I'd encourage you to think about it. Um, it costs me some money to put this podcast on. But of course, you don't have to join at all. And you can just listen to the main podcast, which will always be free. And I want to get the message of the Bible and the excitement of Scripture out there. So do not worry. That will always be free. But if you'd like to think about supporting us, go once again to patreon.com forward slash baldheadbible or just go to patreon.com and search baldheadbible. And I hope you enjoy this week's episode. Welcome to Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life, featuring the expository story preaching of Dr. John Katzian. So Hannah drops off little Samuel. (laughs) This must have been so hard for her. But she was determined to obey the Lord and to fulfill her vow. And she brings Samuel at the age of three or four or maybe two or three and she leaves him. And I wonder with tears streaming down her face at the thought, from then on she's only going to be able to see him once a year. Now, a good Jew would go up to the temple three times a year, so maybe she got to see him three times a year. But we know for sure she would bring him a new linen ephod, a new outer garment, essentially, once a year. But that was it. And the Lord goes on to bless Hannah with five more children, three boys and two girls. But this is the last time she's going to be with Samuel. That must have been so hard. But you know what's really interesting? Is even though it's hard, Hannah praises God. At the beginning of chapter 2, we see a prayer of Hannah, and it is a prayer of praise. She praises God in the middle of her difficulty, in the middle of one of the hardest moments of her life. She exults in the Lord. She says, God is my rock. The Lord is my rock. And she goes over and over again and just thanks God and praises him. I mean, talk about an example of giving the sacrifice of praise. And sometimes in the middle of life's hard choices and panic, oh, this is hard. What am I going to do? No. She offers this beautiful sacrifice of praise and she gives Samuel to Eli the priest. And that's when we're introduced to Eli and his two sons, Hophni and Phinehas. Now these guys, they were not good. These are bad men, especially Hophni and Phinehas. It says that Hophni and Phinehas held the sacrifices offered to the Lord in contempt. What they would do is people would bring meat and offer it to the Lord, and they would take this three-pronged fork and stick it in there and remove a lot of the meat when they weren't allowed to remove it, and they would take it and eat it for themselves and use it for their own meals. And when people would try to stop them and they said, hey, if you do that, I'm going to do this by force. And maybe they swung that three-pronged fork right under their chin and said, back off. This is mine. They They were showing contempt for the things of the Lord. 
And then on top of that, they were sleeping with the women who would come to the tabernacle. Many women would come there to serve, and Hophni and Phinehas would sleep with them, and sexual debauchery, and they didn't care. And in fact, it says in 1 Samuel chapter 2 that Hophni and Phinehas, they did not know the Lord. They didn't know him. But yet here they were, assistant high priests before the Lord underneath their dad, the high priest Eli, and they didn't even know Yahweh, but yet they're serving him and they're in his tabernacle. They're acting like they know him, but it says clearly they did not know the Lord and they didn't care. And Eli, I think he knew the Lord, but Eli was old and he was tired and yeah, he's their dad, and, but, you know, are they really that bad? Well, eventually the news gets around, and Eli hears what they are doing. And Eli, he confronts his sons. Well done, Eli. As a dad, I'm proud of you. Right there. Confronting your sons and their sins and saying, hey, he says, listen. He essentially tells them, stop. Stop doing what you're doing. And he says, if what you were doing was to another man, maybe I could mediate, maybe I could help, but you're sinning against God himself, against Yahweh himself, and I can't mediate that. There is nothing I can do for you. Stop it. And it says, Hophni and Phineas, they don't care. They just ignore their dad. It says they did not heed the voice of their dad at all. They didn't listen to him. They didn't care. And they just kept on doing what they wanted to do, holding the sacrifices in contempt, sleeping with the various women, just living for themselves because they did not know Yahweh. And it says that the Lord took that desire and took their lack of listening to their dad. And it says the Lord used it because he wanted to put them to death. The Lord used their intent of their heart and he used it to push them and push them because Yahweh's desire was to put these men to death. I'm sure he gave them chance after chance after chance to repent, but he is a sovereign God who's going to take our evil intents and push them to the nth degree and accomplish his will, which was to put them to death. Well, I commend Eli for confronting his sons, but you know what I don't commend Eli for doing? He didn't do anything. He's the high priest. He could have done something about it. He could have given them consequences. He confronted them, but he didn't follow through on consequences. He could have kicked them out of the priesthood. He had the power. But maybe he knew if he revealed what they did, they'd be stoned, they'd be killed. And he's thinking, I can't do that. I love my sons. And maybe if I love them enough and love them enough and just give them time and patience and pray for him and pray for him, you know, God will change him. God will change him. And no, God was using their desires instead to send them to death. Would that have woken him up if Eli had kicked him out of their very jobs? 
Dads, I just want to encourage you, yes, we need to confront our children, but we also need to follow through with consequences. We can't just threaten our child, a threatening, repeating parent. You better not do it, Johnny. You better not do it. Hey, if you do that, I'm going to count to 10, 10, 9, 8, 8 and a half, 8 and 3 quarters. you got to follow through with consequences because some of the most loving things you can do is to correct your child's behavior. If your son's about to leap over a cliff, it is not loving to hug them as they go over the top. No, you need to stop them and say, turn around, leave, stop doing what you're doing. Confront and then fall through with consequences. But Eli didn't. And his children continued to defile the temple. Well, in contrast, was Samuel. And it says that Samuel grew in favor with the Lord. Samuel, it says, grew in the presence of the Lord. And it's interesting, in verse 26 of chapter 2, it says that Samuel grew both in stature and in favor with the Lord and also with men. See, sometimes people think it's incompatible to live for the Lord and then also get along with your friends and your co-workers. You know, if, if I choose as a boy to live righteously, to be obedient, to follow the Lord, to obey his word... I'm going to lose all my friends and nobody's going to want to work with me. Or if I'm a man and I choose to do that, I'm going to lose all my friends and my co-workers because I'll be too holier than thou. I'll be too, too righteous. And Samuel puts that lie to death here. It puts it to bed. No, he grew in favor with Yahweh and with men. When you start to pursue the Lord, others will say, you're a person of principle. I may not invite you to do all the things I want to do because clearly you're against them, but I want to work with you because you work hard. You're a person of principle. When you show up, you say you're going to show up. You work hard. You're honorable. People see that. And you're also growing in stature with the Lord. The two can work together because that's what was happening with Samuel. And the other thing is this is happening to Samuel as a young boy. You don't have to wait till you're a man to say, I'm going to start living for the Lord. No. You can have an impact on the people around you. As a child, you can have an impact on the adults around you. Samuel was starting to because people saw the difference between somebody who's living righteously and Hophni and Phinehas and Eli. Well, Samuel, in exact opposite to Hophni and Phinehas, is growing and growing in the Lord and growing in the Lord well, one day, it says a man of God shows up and confronts Eli. And he probably walks up to Eli. We don't know what prophet this was, but to walk into the tabernacle and to confront the high priest, this was, this was a bold thing for this prophet to do. But this man of God comes to Eli and says, listen. Because you have so messed this up, because things have gone so badly, I am going to remove the priesthood from your line and your descendants forever. See, Israel is made up of 12 tribes, and they took their priests from the tribe of Levi. 
And Levi, all the priests, came from Aaron, the first high priest, the brother of Moses. Well, Aaron had lots of different sons. And Eli was a descendant of one of his sons, and that's where the high priest was coming from at this moment. And this man of God says, I had promised that son that your descendants are going to be priests forever, but you have so messed it up, I am stopping it right here, Eli. And from now on, your descendants are all going to die young, and I'm removing the priesthood from you, and I'm going to give it to another son from the lineage of Aaron, and I am going to have that branch be priests forever. But Eli, you have so dishonored my name. And then the man of God says this in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 30. Because you've so messed it up, Eli, the Lord, Yahweh, the God of Israel says, I promise that your branch of the tribe of Levi would always be my priests, but I will honor those who honor me, and I will despise those who think lightly of me. Think about that. You could have been priests forever, but Eli... You so thought lightly of me, I'm going to remove it. And I want people to follow me who honor me. And I will honor them because they honor me. And I'm going to despise those who despise me. So eventually the priesthood goes to Eleazar, one of the sons of Aaron. And that switch doesn't occur for another 130 years. And the switch occurs when Zadok becomes the high priest under the kingship of David. And he traces his lineage back to Eleazar, the son of Aaron. This prophecy is not going to come true for another 130, 150 years. But the man of God leans in even further. And he says, you know what the sign will be that this prophecy will come true, Eli? Can you imagine Eli shakes his head, no, and he's probably scared at this point. Nope, takes a big breath. The man of God says, this is the sign. Your sons, Hophni and Phinehas, will die on the same day. That's the sign that this prophecy is going to come true. That's the sign, Eli. And then the man of God, speaking for God, turns around, walks away. And we don't hear of him again. I wonder, what if Eli had repented and kicked out his sons out of the priesthood at that point and poured out his heart before God? I mean, God is a compassionate, loving God, but it's nothing. Nothing happens. Nothing changes. Eli gets rejected. His house is forever rejected by the Lord. But at the beginning of chapter 3, we hear the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli. So again, Hophni and Phinehas, Eli's son, don't even know the Lord. Samuel is growing in stature and favor with the Lord and with man. God has just rejected Eli and his house forever from being Levitical priests, and all his descendants from now on are going to die young. Samuel is growing and is ministering before the Lord. What a contrast. He's still a boy. It says there, the boy Samuel. 
He was probably 9, 10, maybe 11, maybe 12, but he was still incredibly young. And here he is ministering before the Lord in the presence of corrupt, evil Eli. Well, one of Samuel's jobs was to keep the lights on in the tabernacle. Now, back then, they only had candles, right? And they had this area called the Holy of Holies where the Ark of the Covenant was. And in front of that Holy of Holies was this curtain. And only the high priest could go into the Holy of Holies and come in the presence of the Lord. And then he would come out of the Holy of Holies. And in front of that curtain area were all these various things that were given to the worship of the Lord. And they had to keep candles lit in that area so that people could see. And it was an honor to the Lord. And it would burn all night. And one of Samuel's jobs was to keep those lights going. And so, you know, he would sleep near the tabernacle. Some people think he might have slept in the tabernacle. Other people think he slept outside of the tabernacle in a tent. And Eli also slept outside of the tabernacle itself, maybe in the temple compound. And maybe Samuel would run in, make sure the candles were lit. And in between, he would catch a sleep. And, well, here's Samuel. He's asleep. He'd been keeping the light lit, but, you know, now it's starting to burn down, and, and that's fine. And it says there in verse 3 of chapter 3, the lamp of God had not yet gone out. It was getting close. But so that means it was probably around the break of day, around dawn. Samuel's sleeping. He's probably snoring. He's, he's young. He's 12, but he's got to snore. When he hears a voice. Samuel! Samuel! Samuel wakes up. What? What? I heard a voice. Oh, it must be Eli. And he hops out of his bed and runs over to where Eli was sleeping. And Eli, here I am. Here I am. What, what do you want? Man, it's early. And Eli wakes up. And he's like, oh, I, uh, uh. Oh, nothing. Why are you waking me up? It's like four in the morning. Go back to bed. And so Samuel runs back and I thought I for sure I heard that. And he lays back down and starts to fall asleep again. When he hears the voice again, Samuel, Samuel. I've often wondered what the voice of God sounds like, you know, but Samuel, I think it sounds deep. Samuel. And, you know, Samuel wakes up. What? Eli, why are you calling? Are you talking in your sleep? What in the world's happening? And he hops down off his bed and he runs over there and he wakes up Eli. He says, hey, hey, here I am. What, what do you want? And uh, go back to bed. I stayed up so late. My back hurts. I want to sleep in. Go back. What are you doing waking me up? And Eli rolls over and Samuel runs back to bed. I thought for sure he had called me. I, I could have sworn it. And so Samuel lays back down and he grabs his teddy bear and starts falling asleep again. And he hears it, Samuel! Samuel! Now it's interesting. Samuel did not know what the voice of the Lord sounded like. Because it says there in verse 7 of chapter 3, 
that Samuel did not yet know the Lord and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. Now, it's not saying that Samuel didn't know Yahweh or wasn't aware of him. No, I, I think what it's getting at here is he did not know the intimacy that a high priest would have with the Lord, with Yahweh. And, and it says that he had not heard his voice. Yahweh had never revealed himself to Samuel in a significant way. And I don't think Yahweh had revealed himself significant to Eli because at the beginning of chapter 3 here, it says the word of the Lord was rare. Because remember, this is during the time of the judges when people were apostatizing, going away from the Lord. And it says there was no frequent vision. I don't think he'd showed up to Eli. I don't think he'd showed up to the priest before him. God hadn't revealed himself in a long time. And so maybe a lot of people had no clue what the voice of the Lord sounded like. Definitely not Samuel, because it says there in verse 7, he did not yet know the Lord intimately like this. And the Lord, Yahweh, had not revealed himself to him. But now, at the tender age of 9 to 12, as a young boy... God wakes him up a third time. Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel wakes up and what? Oh, come on. And he runs and, and he wakes Eli. Hey, Eli, what, what do you want? What, what are you trying to say to me? This is the third time. What do you want? And Eli's about to push him away and roll back to sleep when it hits Eli. It's Yahweh. And I wonder if Eli sits up. For the first time in a long time, Eli has some spiritual insight because he finally perceives that the Lord was calling the boy, that Yahweh was calling this young boy. I wonder if Eli was thinking, he's never called me. But he calls Samuel. In the moment of spiritual understanding, which he hasn't had for years, Eli says to Samuel, listen, go lie down. If he calls you, I want you to say this. Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. That's all you got to do. Just, just say, speak, Lord. Yahweh, speak, Yahweh, for your servant hears. Do that. Samuel turns and he leaves. And he goes back to his bed and he lays down and I wonder if he's laid there all stiff and shaken because Yahweh, Almighty God, this whole tabernacle and the Holy of Holies is built to honor him. Almighty God is wanting to talk to him. Do you know how frightening that must have been? I wonder if he laid there a little shaking and will he talk to him again? Did he miss his chance? And then he hears Samuel. Samuel. Samuel says, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. And then Yahweh says to Samuel. Now, if you want to know what he says to Samuel, you got to come back next week to hear what God says to Samuel. But I just want to encourage you. I want to go back to that verse where he says, I will honor those who honor me. And I will despise those who despise me. I will despise those who don't show me any honor. 
I will honor those who honor me, and I will despise those who think lightly of me. That's what one version says. Man, I just want to say, I pray and hope that you are a person who honors God. You may not be perfect. You will fall and stumble. You will sin. You will fail. But is the course of your life saying, I will honor Yahweh? And God the Father, Yahweh, has said, I want you to honor me by honoring my son, Jesus. And Jesus has said, if you want to know the Father, you have to know me, right? No man comes to the Father but through me. If you honor me, you honor my Father. So I want to say, if you want to honor Jesus, amen. I hope that's the cry of my life. I hope I honor Jesus with my very being. I hope the course of my life, as imperfect as I am, honors Jesus. I hope as a Christian that I do not despise him. I hope as a Christian that I don't start to take the cares of this world more important than honoring the Lord. I hope as a Christian I don't find ways to not go to church or to not serve at a church. Hey, I just heard such and such needs a Sunday school teacher. Hey, I just heard needs somebody to drive the bus. Well, I'm too busy doing this. I'm too busy doing that. I'm too busy, busy, busy. And you're letting the cares of the world stop you from honoring the Lord and you start to take attendance and serving and being engaged in the mission of the church more lightly and more lightly and more lightly. And then you end up like Eli, so far from God and spiritually blind that you wonder if he even knows the Lord. I pray that today we hear the voice of the Lord and we honor him, and we choose to serve him, and we choose to be engaged with the mission of our local church. And I pray we know Jesus better every single day. Thank you for listening to Baldhead Bible Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. You can comment on our Facebook page or email us at baldheadbible at gmail.com. If you would like to support this podcast, please check out our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash baldheadbible. Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life. New episodes added every week.